Our text for this week is from the book of Esther. In chapter 6, Mordecai being honored. So the first verse starts off with, That night the king could not sleep. That night was the night after he went to the first night of the banquet at Esther's uh, palace, Esther's part of the palace, where she invited him to come after risking her life to go before the king to invite him to come to a party. And she did that because there was a death decree uh, written by Haman that went throughout the land, and Mordecai uh, encouraged Esther to go before the king and to spare uh, the Jewish people's lives. And she was at first hesitant, and not only hesitant, but resistant. No, I can't go, I'll die. King won't let anyone in uninvited, uh, or he'll be killed. And Mordecai continued, persisted, and she surrendered. Not my will, but your will be done, Lord God, basically, by saying, if I perish, I perish, I will go. Foreshadowing the Messiah, who willingly gave himself for us. And then she spends, tells the people, she commits herself, and asks Mordecai to tell the people to fast for her for three days. Doesn't mention prayer. Prayer, religious terminology, is not in the book of Esther at all. God, uh, God is not mentioned at all in the book of Esther, but he is clearly there. But no doubt they were praying, not just fasting. And so they're fasting and praying for three days. And then at the end of those three days, she comes before the king. The king accepts her, asks, what do you want? Just come to a banquet. Goes to a banquet, asks, what do you want? She says, how about a banquet tomorrow night, too? <laughs> and he says, okay. And she promises, I'll tell you tomorrow. And that night, he could not sleep. Now, why couldn't he sleep? What kept him from sleeping that night? Could have been God keeping him awake? Because a very important thing happens because he is awake. Could have been something he ate at the banquet. Maybe Esther gave him something that, uh, that disturbed his stomach and disturbed his sleep and he couldn't sleep that night because of that. Could have been he was wondering what on earth did that girl risk her life for? What does she want to ask me? Why did she want me to come to a banquet? And why couldn't she tell me today at the banquet? Why couldn't she tell me in the courtyard, in the throne room? Why couldn't she tell me there? Why'd she risk her life? Why couldn't she tell me at the banquet? Why do I have to go to a banquet tomorrow night? What is this all about? He might have been wondering all about that. What on earth is going on? And rehashing all the details and everything that was said at the banquet, trying to think of some hints and what could it have been, trying to read her body language and thinking it through and what she was wearing and when she came before the throne and trying to figure it all out. That might have been it. If he was a woman, a woman would be thinking all night about that. A man could care less about that. He wouldn't even been thinking about that at all. That wouldn't have bothered him. Sleep right through the night, it wouldn't matter. It could have been the uh, banging outside. Haman building is 75 uh, foot uh, gallows to hang Mordecai on. What's that banging on now going on? <laughs> who's, who's doing construction? Did they get a permit to work at night? What's going on? What's all that? We're going on out there. That might have kept him up. That might have been disturbing him. But something kept him awake. 
Could not sleep. Now I know what it was that kept him awake. We'll look at another thing first and then we'll come back to that. Could not sleep that night, so one was commanded to bring the book of the records of the Chronicles and they were read before the king. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of Bichthan and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, the doorkeepers who had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. So they're reading through the night, and we don't know what time of night they're reading. We don't know how long they read. We don't know how long he tossed and turned before he finally said, get me the chronicles and read to me something boring so I fall asleep. Could have been at any time or how long they read, but we do know, and we'll see this in a minute, that they didn't get to this portion until daybreak, give or take. And we'll see why we know that as we'll read another few verses. But we don't know how long they had been reading. Could have been reading at one in the morning, three in the morning, two in the morning, for maybe four hours, five hours, reading and reading and reading. And for them to come upon this portion, this passage, this scroll. Now, if we remember, chapter three is where the book, or the third year of his reign is where the book starts, when he kicks out Queen Vashti as queen. Then we go four years of him looking for a queen. And the story about Big Thin and Teresh, it says it took place when, or at least Mordecai began to sit at the gate when the second bringing in of the virgins before the king took place. And then Esther is queen, it took four years to pick her as queen, and then she's queen for five years before we get to this point. And so the the attempted assassination, I have a question about assassination. How famous do you have to be before your murder is considered an assassination and not just a murder? Anyone have an idea on that? Oh, that's a little just aside. If you think about that, maybe you can tell me after the, after the sermon how famous you have to be to be not just murdered, not just killed, but assassinated, right? Okay, that's how I want to go. I want to be assassinated. If I'm going to die through being killed, I'd rather be assassinated than murdered, right? I mean, you get more press that way. Anyway, so... We don't know how many years before these assassins tried to kill him, whether it was five years, one year, two years, three years ago. Could have been five, could have been nine years ago. So what was it that caused the reader of these chronicles, this eunuch, to pull that scroll off the shelf and read that? And no doubt he's got scrolls and scrolls and scrolls of the chronicles of his kingdom from when he took office, or maybe, I'm sure they got the scrolls of his father and all that. They're reading the Chronicles of the King. What caused them to pick this scroll, this book, and get to this passage, this portion, this event, at just the right time, just around daybreak? What was it, do you think, that caused that to happen? God, yes. And what do you think it was that caused God to be able to make it so that they read this scroll on that night and got to that portion at that time? 
the prayer time. That's right. Three days of praying and fasting is what moved God to be able to move their hand to pull off that scroll at that point in time. Because God is able to do things for us as a result of prayer that he is not able to do if we do not pray. Yeshua said himself, you have not because you ask not. And if we don't ask, we, don't, we won't get, we won't receive. And so it was that three days of fasting and praying. Without that, he might have slept through the night. And I believe that's what kept him up through the night. That's what caused him to think of having the Chronicles read. That's what caused the hand to be put right on that scroll and get to that passage and that portion at that time. It is so vital that we be in prayer. Continually, without ceasing, an attitude of prayer. And praying at all times, and especially as we get closer to these last days, we need to be in prayer for God to be working, God to be doing his bidding and his invites us. He told his disciples, can you even pray for one hour with me? He invited them to pray. He invites us to be in prayer with him. To prepare our hearts and to prepare this world for God's gospel to go forward with might and strength and power. And it would have reached the whole world already by now if we would have been more praying and more working and more serving the Lord. And we'd be home already if we were. So they get to this passage and they read that story. And the king said, what honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? Now that's interesting. Again, we don't know how long they've been reading. We don't know how long he's been up. If he woke up in the middle of the night and then reading this towards morning, but no doubt he's been up for a while, either maybe all night long. And yet his mind was still clear enough to be listening to the story after story after story to get to this story and to be listening with a keen enough ear to notice, hey, there's something missing there. Can you read that back again? What was done for Mordecai? You read about this whole thing. I almost got killed. And if it wasn't for this guy, and then you just went on to the next story. But wait a second, what happened to Mordecai? And they looked again. Well, I don't know. Nothing happened. We don't know. Nothing happened. We don't know. He's still at the gate. Well, what was done for him? What, what dignity or what thanks did we give to this Mordecai? Well, nothing in the record here. What caused him to not only think about that question, but for his mind to be in tune to even think that question, but then to verbalize it and ask. It was God in answer to three days of fasting and praying. It's all these details that had to be in play. It had to be the right book and the right story at the right time with the right question. They could have just read that story and kept going and no deliverance would have taken place without this question. Every piece of this puzzle has to be in place at the right time in the right order for God's results to take place. Lots of little mini miracles 
taking place here. And that's how God works in our lives. We don't see a lot of it. Esther has no idea any of this is going on. Esther doesn't know about the gallows being built. But God knew, and God knew in advance. Mordecai doesn't know that any of this is going on. But God is bringing all of these events to pass in order to answer their prayer and work his deliverance. And that's what he does in our lives. There's so much going on that you don't even know about. As you're praying and fasting and crying out to the Lord, the Lord is at work in people's hearts and minds, working circumstances and situations, piece by piece, little by little, bringing it all together to work out his honor and his glory in your behalf. And so the king's servant said, nothing has been done for him. And the king said, who is in the court? He didn't just give up on it. He didn't go, oh, well, nothing was done for him. Well, that was a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, nine years ago. Well, I'm sure the guy forgot about it. And so let's go on, whatever, we're busy anyway. What time is breakfast? He could have just left it at that. But he asks, who's in the court? Now, there might be a couple different reasons why he asked who's in the court. Maybe he heard something going on in the courtroom. He heard someone come in. He heard the door close and open or whatever. Here's some talking going on. Well, who's in the court? Or maybe there was always somebody in the court for him to get advice from. And we see that's very consistent with this king. He wants advice before he makes a decision. And so he wants to get advice. So who's in the courtyard? Who's on a court duty tonight? Who, which one of my advisors was supposed to be there in case I ever need advice in the middle of the night? Who's there? Who's in the court? And so he asks that question. Because again, he's not going to let this go. He wants to know what can be done for Mordecai. Now Haman just entered the outer court of the king's palace to suggest that the king hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. Just at the right time. Haman shows up. Haman comes in. He wasn't on duty that night. He decides to come in. He just happens to come in. Now, would he have come at 2 in the morning? Would he have come at 1 in the morning? Would he have come at midnight? No way. He'd at least wait till morning. He'd at least wait till he assumes the king is, is up and getting up, right? And so that's where we know that this was pretty close to morning and that the king was probably up a good portion of the night, not able to sleep. And for the timing of the reading of that story, to coincide with when Haman walks in the courtroom is amazing. And so Haman comes in, wanting to ask for Mordecai's death, the hanging on the gallows, comes in to suggest that. Now that's kind of interesting, because what was on Haman's schedule for that day? What was on his schedule for later on that day? What was his plans? For to, to go to the party. To go to the banquet. Who, with who? With the king. Why doesn't he wait till the banquet to ask for him to, if he can hang Mordecai? He can't even wait a few more hours? If it's around breakfast time now, when can the banquet be? Maybe a lunch banquet? It seems like it's a, a lunch banquet as we see the events take place. 
Not late in the day, probably, or even if it was. Couldn't he wait a few more hours? Four more hours? Eight more hours? I'm going to be at the banquet anyway. Oh, that'll be a good time for me to ask. Why couldn't he just wait? God used his anger and his bitterness and his wrath to stir him and stir him and stir him. He probably couldn't sleep through the night. He couldn't wait another four hours or eight hours to see Mordecai dead. And so God stirred him up to get him not to wait, but to get him at the courtroom at, right the right at just the right time. Not at the banquet. Because God has some events that need to take place, and they need to take place in order. And so God gets Haman, stirs Haman up, gets Haman there early in the morning to ask the king. And so he comes in, they say, brings Haman in, and Haman got, went there to ask the king that. And the king's servant said to him, Haman is there standing in the court. And the king said, let him come in. And so Haman came in, and the king asked him, what shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? Now this again is significant here. Because Haman came in, and without doesn't mention, but without any formalities. Hi, how you doing? Good morning. What can I do for you? Why are you here? And Haman being able to blurt out, well, I'm here because... No, he, the king goes right to it. Haman, what should I do for the man whom the king delights to honor? Because if the king would have said, hi, how you doing? And Haman would have spoken first, it would have changed everything, wouldn't it? But God's moving upon their hearts and moving upon the conversation to take place just perfectly in answer to three days of prayer and fasting. And so the king asked, what shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? As if the king can't think of anything on his own. <laughs> and there's a reason the king can't think of on his own what would a man like to be honored. Because the king's sitting on his throne. He's one of these elitists. He grew up in this realm. And he's probably hardly ever been out of his palace. He doesn't even know what people think. He doesn't even know what people want. He's just sitting there having no idea. And so Haman thought in his heart, whom would the king delight to honor more than me? That's classic, huh? <laughs> classic human nature. That's classic Haman. And that's classic you and me. That's what we think about. We think about all the time. What's our favorite conversation? Us. Yes, that's our favorite conversation. Right? And what does it all have to Everything has to do about us. Who said hello to me today? Who didn't say hello to me today? Why did that cashier look at me that way? Why did this person cut me off? Why'd the boss say this and do this? What did he mean by that? What did she mean by that? We think and we think about it and think about it. All about self. We 
whole, our conversations revolve around ourselves, our thoughts revolve around ourselves, our prayers revolve around ourselves. We are so selfish through and through. And that's normal. That's how we survive. It's not good. It's not godly. But for the carnal heart, for the fallen human nature, that's normal. But normal is not good. Normal needs to be killed. And we need to be born anew. Not of this worldly nature, but of a divine nature. And that's what Yeshua came to set us free from. The worldly nature, the selfish nature that thinks the world revolves around us. We used to think the whole universe revolved around us. We had a hard time giving that one up. We're so self-centered as even a people, as humanity. It takes the power of the Lord to break that bond in our lives. For self to be crucified. And for a new nature to be given us through the Holy Spirit. We need that each day and every day. Or otherwise self will rise up and we'll think everything revolves around us. And so the king, so Haman thinks, what would the king want to give to me? What would I want? The king wants to honor me. Who else would the king want to honor other than me? And God uses this. God uses his selfishness and brings it forth. And Haman said, for the man whom the king delights to honor, take a royal robe which the king has worn and a horse on which the king rode with a royal crest upon its head. Let the robe and the horse be delivered to the hand of the one whom the king, one of the king's most noble princes, to array the man whom the king delights to honor. Parade him on a horse through the city square and proclaim before him, thus shall be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Why does Haman request this? Do you think that this was what Mordecai would want? Do you think this would be important to Mordecai? No. Why does he request this? It's because he wants it. Why does he want this? Because he's selfish, but why this? Why does he want Silver. Why doesn't he want silver and gold? Why doesn't he say, give me some silver and gold? Give the man you want to honor silver and gold. Yes, but why? Why not silver and gold? He already has it. Why not a better position? Promote the person. He's already at second in the kingdom. So he already has position, he already has power, he already has the king's ring, he already has influence, he already has fame, he already has wealth. So what is he asking for here? More than notoriety. More than notoriety, what? He wants to be the king, not for a day, he wants to be the king. The king's robe that he has worn, the king's horse that he has ridden on, he wants to be king. Does that sound like anyone else? I want to be like the Most High God. Lucifer himself. That's right. 
So just as Esther has foreshadowed the Messiah and Mordecai has foreshadowed the Messiah, Haman demonstrates Lucifer, the heart of Lucifer. And so we see the whole Bible being played out in this one little book. The battle between God and Satan, right versus wrong, good versus evil. And so that's what, he wants the king's throne eventually. He wants to be the king. Just like us. We want to be kingly. Oh, maybe not the king. Exactly. <laughs> but we just want things done the way we want them done. Why don't they do the road work the way I think it should be done? Why isn't the school run the way I think it should be run? Why isn't the services run the way I think they should be run? Why doesn't he preach what I think he should preach? Why doesn't they, this company do this? Why don't they sell this? Why do they put this here? Why do they do that? We got our opinions. Why don't they listen to my opinion? Why doesn't everyone do it like I do it? Why doesn't my spouse put their socks away? Why don't they, why can't they just do be more like me? Everyone should be more like me. I should be king. <laughs> we want to be like God. We want God created in our image. We want God to be more like us. Certainly God wouldn't do something such as that. Certainly God wouldn't take my loved one. Certainly God wouldn't let this happen. Certainly God would not let that. If I was God, I certainly wouldn't let that. We want to be like God. In our prayers, we tell him what to do. And we tell him what he should do and shouldn't have done. Because not only do we want to be king, we want to be God. And again, that's natural. That's normal. But normal's not good. And natural's not good. It needs to be killed. And we need to give God the throne of our heart. Because this is how we will all be if we don't have God in our heart. This is the end result of, Sa of, of Satan taking control of our lives moment by moment, day by day, and expanding out. We can't even wait a few more months for our enemy to die. We can't just fire them. We can't even wait a few hours to ask the king to get rid of them. It will bother us and bother us and bother us, and we will have no peace, and it won't matter how much riches we have and how much influence we have and how much position we have and how many family members we have. It will mean us nothing as long as that so-and-so is still bothering me. That's the end result of selfishness, bitterness. It's being played out here for us. I think the world revolves around us and we will want to be exalted. And so the king said to Haman, hurry and take the robe and the horse as you have suggested. Great idea. The king thinks it's a great idea. As if that's what Mordecai would want. And again, why? Because the king has no idea what Mordecai wants because the king has no idea what the people want. He's not in tune with the people's needs. He's not in tune with the people's wants. What do you think Mordecai would want? If you asked Mordecai, Mordecai, you did that great thing for me. I'd like to show you some... Thanks, what, what would you like? What, would you, what do you need? Well, at this point, he say, save my people, right? But on a regular day, if we would have asked him the day that he turned the, uh, the assassins in, what do you think he would have wanted? 
well, I'd like to see my, my cousin once a week, and I see her once a week, and you make it so I can at least see her, see the queen once a week, and have a little talk with her. Would that be nice instead of having to talk through people? I think maybe that's what he'd want. Or maybe he'd say, well, hey, you know, there's this orphanage down here in town, and it, it really has some needs, and can you do something to help out? And they're, they're really uh, struggling there. And, or, uh, you know, your predecessors, uh, Cyrus and Darius, they helped in the building of Jerusalem. Jerusalem it still doesn't have a wall yet protecting the city. Can you help so that we can you know, build that wall there? I think those are some of the things that maybe Mordecai would have requested and preferred. But again, the king is just so out of tune. He thinks everybody just wants to ride around and go on a horse ride every day. That's the most important thing for them. To wear some nice clothing and to ride on a horse. Oh, yeah, that's certainly what he... What he wants, that's a great idea. And that's the elitist mindset. They think everybody has refrigerators full of ice cream. And then that's all they want. They think everybody will be happy with, with uh, $600. That'll shut them up for a while. Give them another $600. That'll make them happy. And then we'll control their votes for another four years. That's all they need. I'm sure that's all they want. That's all those peasants down there. And they have no idea what real people need and suffer and want, and they don't care any more than the king or Haman cared. So he says, the king says to Haman, hurry, take the robe, take the horse, and do as you suggested. And I just would wish to just see Haman just rise up and just, oh, anticipation, wanting to grab that robe and put that robe on. Oh, he's so excited. I mean, he's just filled with it. And the king continues, and do so for Mordecai the Jew who sits within the king's gate. Leave nothing undone of all you have spoken. Oh, I can't wait to see the replay of that in heaven. Right? That's one of the things, first things I think. I'll, when we get to heaven, I'm going to say, God, I want to see that. Can you play that back for me? I want to see his face when the king said that to him. I just want to see it drop. That's got to be classic humor there, right? That's got to be funniest thing that ever happened. And he's trying to hide it from the king. Oh, just it just be unbelievable to see that. that just a facial expression. Just had to be classic. Just in shock. In shock. You mean it's not me? And not only is it not me, but it's Mordecai? Ah, yeah, he'd be mortified. That's right. It was mortified. Unbelievable. It's not in their Bible, but maybe, uh, you know, maybe then the king, as, as Haman's turning to walk away with the robe, and the king says, and then, uh, Haman, what did you come to see me about? What was it that you wanted? <laughs> oh, never mind, never mind. I'll, I'll tell you later, maybe. Uh, <laughs> this is powerful. This is so amazing. Because right here before our eyes, God has just turned around the whole tide. The whole realm of events which was moving on track to kill the Jews and not only kill them 11 months from now, but to kill Mordecai that day. And at the last minute, Mordecai would be dead. <laughs> Within a, if, if the kingdom would have slept that night, didn't read that portion of the scroll. Haman would have been there asking for Mordecai's death. And even before the banquet, Mordecai would be dead. But God, in his miraculous power and mercy, has totally turned events 
That's how quickly God can work. And again, Mordecai has no idea. Esther has no idea. The people that have been fasting and praying have no idea. But all of this, boom, 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 that quickly, that easily, is how quickly and how easily God can work in our behalf. And we won't even know it. We'll still be in prayer. We need to be faithfully praying. Not just praying, but praying in faith. We need to continue in prayer and give not up. Hold fast, endure to the end. Keep praying and never ceasing. Enduring to the end. Because it's going to get dark. Remember, this book is prophetic of last day events. There's going to come a time where Satan is going to go about to try and annihilate every single one of God's people. And God will step in, but it might not be to the very last moment. And we need to be in prayer and not give up and not lose heart. And in our daily prayers, in our daily situations, God allows us to go through them and he delays in answering those prayers and delays us seeing the answer to those prayers so our faith is strengthened, so that we learn to persevere in prayer. The patient endurance on the part of the saints is what will see us through. And that's what we need. And so Haman took the robe and the horse and arrayed Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city square and proclaimed before him, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Okay, do you imagine when Haman's going to get uh, Mordecai? He shows up there. Haman, hey uh, Mordecai, I, I want to see you for a minute. <laughs> Mordecai, like, ah, oh, oh, I really don't want to go anywhere with you. No, I need you to come here, ride on this horse. Where are you going to take me? Uh, here, put the robe on. Can you imagine what Mordecai was thinking when he's going through this? What on earth is this? This is unbelievable. Unbelievable. God will do abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think in answer to fervent, faithful prayer. And if we don't have faith, we can ask for faith, and God will give us faith. If we fall asleep in prayers, we can ask God to keep us awake, and he can keep us awake and keep us praying. And sometimes that's why you wake up in the middle. Sometimes you can't sleep. You think, oh, I'm going to take a sleeping pill. Oh, I need a new my pillow. I need something here to get me sleep. No, God's trying to keep you awake to pray. <laughs> That's what I do. I say, God, if you're not going to let me sleep, I'm not going to let you sleep either. <laughs> we'll see how this goes, right? <laughs> we'll see who wins, right? So I'm going to keep on praying to you. I'm going to keep on talking to you till you get too bored and you fall asleep and I can get to sleep. And that's what you should do. You wake up early, you wake up, you can't sleep at night, then keep him up too. And afterward, Mordecai went back to the king's gate. And I can see his friends like, what on earth was all that about? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but all I know is God's at work, right? Oh, you can imagine how that was for Haman walking through the streets that way. And everyone looking at him and snickering. And that's the guy, he wouldn't bow down to him. <laughs> Look at him, he's got him on the horse. <laughs> this is something else. <laughs> So Mordecai, he just goes back to the gate. He's happy. He was happy before. He's content before. He's content now. Again, I'm sure he would have preferred something else, but that's what he got. 
But Haman hurried to his house, mourning with his head covered. He doesn't want to be seen. His pride has been smashed. He is so embarrassed. He can't even look anyone in the eye. He's been crushed. And that's what high self-esteem will do for you. It'll crush you. Pride cometh before the fall. So he's been lifted up. And the higher you get lifted up, harder we fall. And when Haman told his wife Zeresh and all his friends everything that had happened to him, his, wife's, his wise men and his wife Zeresh said to him, if Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish descent, you will not prevail against him, but will surely fall before him. They saw it. They figured it out. They're the ones who told him to build the gallows. They're the ones who sent him there in the morning to go to ask the king. And then they turn around and they see it. Haman is not in a partying mood. <laughs> this has got to be discouraging to him. This is just crushing news to him. And that's been the same down through the ages. You'd think people would figure it out by now. But the Hamans haven't figured it out. The Romans didn't figure it out. The Hitlers haven't figured it out. And the anti-Semites today haven't figured it out either. Can't fight against God. God will defend his people. We need to hold fast to God. Stay close to God. Be under his banner and under his wings. And all of these events transpired in answer to prayer. Festa would have just said, okay, if I perish, I perish, and go right in. Would have been disaster. Take time and pray before you move forward in the events in your life. Trusting and faithfully in prayer. And this whole story shouldn't have even taken place if they were, they wouldn't have, if they were, would have left Susa and gone with the appeal by Cyrus to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. And by Darius, they had opportunities. We need to be in God's will. We need to be about God's business. We need to be doing what he calls us to do when he calls us to do it. And we need to be in prayer to know. Be submitted to him and Dependent on him. And so while they were still talking to him, the king's eunuchs came and hastened to bring the Haman to the banquet which Esther had prepared. Which again indicates to me it wasn't a late evening banquet. I mean, how long did it take to take him on a little horsey ride around town? And maybe it took a few hours, you know, four or five hours, whatever. And then go home and then get ushered off. Or maybe it was longer. Maybe it was a big enough city. Maybe it took eight hours. But whatever the case, again, the timing just perfect as he's there, depressed, he didn't even have time to really think about it, and they come to usher him off, to hurry him off. He's running late now. The king probably doesn't like to be made late, so they're hurrying him off. Come on already. And he's no doubt discouraged. But maybe lifted back up. Oh yeah, the party, that's right. I'm still second and the queen still likes me. And maybe there is still hope in spite of what my wife and friends just said. 
And that is why Satan continues. Even though he's read the Bible and he knows the end, he's still hoping against hope. He's in denial. And he wants to take as many of us with him as possible. And that's what evil wickedness does, too. It's not happy just to be discontent, but it wants everyone else to be discontent as well. And that's how we are. When we're miserable, we want everybody to be miserable with us. And that's, again, our normal, natural nature, which is not good, that God can set us free from on a daily basis through the power of Yeshua. And turn events in our hearts like quickly as he turned these events as we surrender our lives to him. And this is where the story ends. The chapter ends for this week. Pick up more of the exciting events of Queen Esther next week. But in the meantime, in a moment when we pray, whatever area applies to you, if there's some situation in your life, something facing you, something that seems dramatic and earth-shattering and life and death, or maybe just something mundane and simple, but you sensing a need, you need to pray. Pray about it. Pray about this decision. Pray about this event. Pray about this threat. And in a moment when we pray, begin the process and ask God to commit you to praying and to pray earnestly and to pray faithfully regarding the situation that you're facing in your life. Maybe you've prayed in the past but have become discouraged and given up on your prayers. You need to have faith. It's only prayers that are of faith that will be answered. Just asking and not having faith that it will be answered in God's timing is not faith. And those kind of prayers won't be answered. So maybe you need more faith. And if that's the case, in a moment when we pray, ask God to fill you with faith. Confess unbelief and doubt. Let him cleanse you through the blood of Messiah. And let him fill you with faith and hope and trust. Third, maybe you're like Haman and think about yourself and your prayers revolve around you and your needs, your wants, your desires, maybe your conversations, mostly about yourself or someone else's conversation still has to come around to you somehow, some way, some shape, form. Your thoughts, your desires are all about yourself. Demanding your way. Not happy unless you get your way. At work, at school, services, at home, wherever it is, however it is. Then a moment when we pray, let God kill the carnal heart and surrender it over to him and give it over to him. And so if any of those areas apply to you, let us ask God and let God do his work in us and through us for his honor and his glory. Let us pray together. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we praise your name and we're thankful for these amazing events. Thank you for bringing them to pass. Thank you for demonstrating the power of prayer and the power of your hand. Lord, make us faithful prayer warriors with you. Give us the gift of prayer. Give us the armor of all prayer 
instant in prayer, daily in prayer, praying without ceasing, and with faith. Fill us with faith. Move out of our hearts and minds all selfishness and all greed and all control and manipulation and all pride. Remove out of us all anger and all bitterness and all wrath. Fill us with your hearts. Thank you, Yeshua, for dying for us. Thank you for being raised up. Send your Holy Spirit to live inside us and through us and manifest your grace out of us. For your honor and for your glory. In Yeshua's holy name. Amen.